You guys know supporting local businesses in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, DRC has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we just had a taste of it already. You'll need the Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snowplows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snowplow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember, DRC Custom makes it all, and you can purchase their products for yourself, and of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gassets, hoses, or anything else you may need. It's 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com backslash DNVR and tell them who sent you. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use that code DNVR20 to get your Strava Craft Coffee and get 20% off. And then you can drink dip deeply and li- live fully. Wow, drink deeply, live fully. I'm rusty, boys. I haven't been on here enough. Uh, I missed you guys. So uh, Missed you too. Had to get back on here today. Welcome home. Feels good. Feels good. But you know what also feels good? Seeing people say they miss me on the podcast. <laughs> I, maybe you guys should stop saying that, and then I'll be like, oh, God, they don't miss me. I got to get back on. We had, uh, we had someone yesterday ask if you still worked at DNVR. That's sad. Oh. <laughs> because they could have heard me on the Denver Sports Podcast just yesterday. And if you subscribe to the Broncos Podcast, it's very easy to subscribe to the DNVR Sports Podcast. In fact, if you're on the DNVR.com, on the Broncos podcast page, the DMVR Sports Podcast shows up. Yes. In exactly. addition to the draft podcast. It's, it was a fun one yesterday. We talked about sports as a cult, which sports are just, as we said, a fun cult. <laughs> it's our little fun cult. And uh, we even have like a more concentrated version of that right here on this podcast. <laughs> Um, Some of us are cult heroes. I think you're a little bit of a cult hero with people who come in and ask for you, right? Yeah, and I think you are the ultimate uh, cult hero in Broncos media <laughs> oh, <man>. folklore. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm back. And for those who have been asking, uh, I know it's only been on a few podcasts, so I did want to share. I'm working on a very large project. I didn't realize how large of a project I was doing because I had never done anything like this before. But I think in the end, you will say... That was awesome. That was dope. It was worth it. Um, and it maybe you don't. Maybe you say, "Why well, I wish Ryan was on all those podcasts. That was a total waste. But I think it'll be the former rather than the latter. And one of the, the cool things about working at this company is 
we get the opportunity to do something like this. You know, a lot of places you would never be able to truly alter your schedule and alter your day job for kind of a passion project like this. But um, especially because of the addition of Mace and the fact that you guys are both really good at covering the Broncos, I was able to step away from that a little bit to work on a longer project, which again has taken longer than I thought. But I think you guys will like in the end. I think every long project ends up taking longer than it thought. Something I'm finding out as I work on my second book about the Broncos in my spare time. Although the thing is, there's a deadline. There's an end point on that one. So there is on make this sure one reach it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's going to be cool. Anyways, who else is back? Drew Locke. About damn time. It is about damn time. What a relief to finally see it. I mean, I wasn't going to believe it until I saw it. Finally, we saw it yesterday. Drew Locke on the field. And that at least gives me a small sense of relief. Not the I won't have the full relief until we, he, he is announced as the starter for a game at some point this year. But, boys, what did you take from Drew's – very short experience on the field yesterday. Oh boy, did <laughs> he look good. Have I ever seen someone sling a football like this? And maybe a little bit of exaggeration, but come on, his spiral was nice and tight. It was looking real good. He was tossing the ball with Noah Fant, and Noah Fant would throw it back to him. And be like, oh, and I'd see Drew and I'd be like, oh, that <laughs> is good. I love Drew Locke's tweet, by the way, which, by the, which was his first tweet guys since draft day or draft weekend the day after he was drafted he tweeted out a picture of him holding up a jersey with Vic Fangio and John Elway so his tweet yesterday shows him putting his helmet on and saying almost forgot how to put this thing on lol emoji but boy did it feel good to be back out there hashtag Broncos country I think it felt just as good for us as it did for him yes (laughs) there's hope now we don't know where the Drew Locke path is going to go, but as long as he's out there practicing and presumably moving toward playing an actual game, we grow closer to finding out who and what he is. And I think whether he's the quarterback of the future or not, we need to start learning. And we haven't learned a damn thing while he's been on the shelf. And you could have been learning a little bit on the practice field if you'd put him out there, say, in advance of the Colts game? Week six is when he should have been out there. Yep. Mace, along those lines, I was looking at these guys as they were stretching. And after I took my first picture of Drew Locke, I looked at them and I saw number two, three, and four next to each other. And I thought, holy freaking cow. You have Brandon Allen and Brett Rippon as your two guys that are likely going to be playing this weekend. And you have this second round pick that is just sitting on the bench. He he is not even on the 53-man roster. And I thought, this is nuts. I, I, I said to myself, I said, pinch me. This can't be real. No, nope, it's real. It's real, all right. That is pretty crazy to think about. I mean, even going back to training camp, you had Joe Flacco, Kevin Hogan, who had made multiple NFL starts, yep. and Drew Locke which still not a good quarterback room. Um, But, I mean, it still felt like a real NFL quarterback room. You didn't feel silly. Like, it is quite possible that there are teams uh, in 
college football that have a better quarterback room. <laughs> yeah. I'm well, sure. yeah. Who's at the top? I mean, the most important guy is the one who's starting. No, of so, course. So and, wouldn't you say LSU has a better quarterback room because it has Joe Burrow? Think about the think about the Ohio State quarterback room, or sorry, the Georgia. It was Georgia, right? The yep. Georgia quarterback room that had uh, Jacob Eason, mm-hmm. Justin Fields, and Jake Fromm, and of course Jake Fromm. <laughs> if one of those guys hits, that was a better. Yeah, so, anyways, that seems like it's a college quarterback room. Like it's it's not. It wouldn't be inconceivable for those guys to have all played on the same college team. Yeah, that is that is wild. And then, of course, you have Joe Burrow. Who who else was there at Ohio State when he was there? Um, you had the Dwayne Haskins. Haskins Dwayne and then Haskins. the other guy, JT Barrett. It's not yep. too bad either. No, nope. <laughs> pretty crazy. Anyways, did you did 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 you take anything away from what you saw from Drew? He looks healthy. He looks happy. Looks fine, healthy. Throwing a good ball, but again, we only see individual work. So the test of Drew Locke is going to become is going to come behind cl- closed doors. How well he reads defenses, how well he spits out the play call in the huddle, um, just all that cerebral type of stuff of running an offense in this complex scheme, and that's what we don't get to see. That's what we're only going to kind of learn about in bits and pieces that leak out, as they always do. After seeing, him, after seeing him sling the ball so beautifully, everyone's heart was kind of ripped out as they run over to a team drill. Uh, you, you got number two under center, takes a few reps. Then you got number four under center, takes a few reps. And I kid you not, number three, Drew Locke walks over, about to get under center. Nope. Whoop. Oh, the little horn goes God. off, doesn't get any reps. They move on to the next thing. And that is... And that's probably but, when they kicked you out of practice. Well, no, 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 no. They actually had done a few reps on the field nearest to us, and he'd taken his turn a couple of times. But, yeah, at the end, they were about to do, like, a little red zone thing with the receivers, yep. and then, nope, other way. And he was ready to go, <laughs> yeah. and he didn't get the snaps. And Damn, that, he got Osweiler. <laughs> the other thing that happened is earlier, a few minutes before in practice, it was the part where you could have cameras and – photographers taking pictures and getting video and all that and it was cut off right as drew lock was about to start a rep yep exactly and that's that's the harsh reality you know there was a little bit of hope i think from everyone that okay maybe you know they're just gonna unleash drew lock and not that he's gonna be the starter this week but maybe there was a tiny bit of hope that he'd be the backup or at least be getting but what indication have the broncos given that they'd do that no 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 i i I mean i didn't have honestly i didn't have hope based on what they'd said it wasn't legitimate hope it was just like maybe they'll realize they'll look on the field and see that it's brandon allen brett ripon and oh our second round pick maybe we should get him some reps but this is yeah the hope is the Raiders saying 10 years ago, hey, maybe Sebastian Jankowski can hit the, this 76-yard field goal attempt. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a harsh reality when, nope, they're going to play him like he's a third-string quarterback that's on the injured reserve that's making his first few practices right now. As they probably should. And unfortunately, this process is already has been and will continue to be much slower than we want it to be. Uh, do you guys have any updated predictions on Drew Locke's first start? Week 13. 
Oh, you're back to 13. Yep. We had yep. moved to 16, so this is movement. Yep, it is. I could because I just I just don't see them winning the next two games. Okay. So that's that's your contingent. It's yep. they go 0 and 2 and then bring in Drew. Yep. I'm actually going to split the difference a little bit because I think there's a chance that Brandon Allen takes a a rough hit and gets sidelined that maybe it's between week 13 and week 16. So I'm going to say week uh, 14. Week 14, which is... Is that Houston or Kansas City? Houston. On the road. He has to be out there for Kansas City. (laughs) I need Drew versus Patrick Mahomes in his hometown. I'm sort of splitting the difference, and I know it's not the obvious answer, but it would not at all shock me if they beat Buffalo. It wouldn't shock me if they beat the Vikings. Hey, by the way. No, it, that would shock me. By that, the way, welcome stunned. back. Your uh, Bills didn't look that good this weekend against my oh. Browns, baby. What are the records, though? <laughs> what are the records? They're 1-0 and 0-1 in their past one game against each other, too. Uh, they had it, too. But, like, how are you? I had no faith in Stephen Hauschka no. to make that kick. No. Are they working out kickers like the Colts are right now? Uh, They should be. <laughs> but By the way, why is it that these teams – work out kickers or punters whenever something goes wrong and yet Kobe Wobbin has had some struggling games and <laughs> nothing happens because they brought in McLovin and Kobe Wobbin <laughs> wiped the floor with him what was that guy's name again Justin Vogel number one right yeah yeah that's all I remember yep he was tall he's like six four yeah he fit the mold that's yeah. for sure how often are you saying that about a punter he's tall <laughs> by the way oh, you're... there's oftentimes <laughs> it's yeah. the best thing we can say about a Broncos player right. By the way, Zach, your Cleveland Browns, if they pull off this home win on Thursday over the Mason Rudolph-led Pittsburgh Steelers, Ugh. it gets interesting for them. Mm, love it, Mace. Because I hope the Browns are favored. In the that rest game. of the schedule is Miami at Pittsburgh, Cincinnati at Arizona, Baltimore at home at Cincinnati. Wow. So if they win this game Thursday night, are they favored against the Steelers? Do you know at home? I don't know. Okay. I bet you they're... Minus three. Yeah. Yeah, get the home field. Yep. Man, I heard one really easy game on that schedule. That's Arizona. Yeah, right. (laughs) Kyler is... Can we talk, by the way... A beautiful, beautiful quarterback. (laughs) Kyler is a unicorn, but can we talk about Cliff Kingsbury's Andy Reid level clock management at the end of that game? He looked very lost. What the hell? He's he's got some learning to do when it comes to managing the clock. He's taking their time, and I'm sitting there, of course, as a Bucs fan, grateful that they're dawdling. That was so weird. I mean, they had done everything so well up to that point in the game. They, you know, big touchdowns, big moments, big time third down conversions. You got her, Vernon Hargreaves cut. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like the whole thing went into slow motion. <laughs> that fake punt was this weekend, right? Yes. What was that? that oh, my gosh. It was the most beautiful. Cardinals fake execute punt. a fake you'll, punt. Andy Lee had a see. gorgeous pass. That's how you do it, not like how the Broncos did. I'll have to send you the clip. It I was, was watching the game. I think I should remember it. I don't, know. I don't miss a snap of a Cardinals game. I've seen equal. I've seen it is the same amount of snaps in Cardinals games as I have Broncos games this year. Actually, that's probably not true because they probably overlapped. So, but any chance I get, like they're my league pass team. Yeah, but. At the same time, that means you're still watching the Vance Joseph defense, which, by the way, gave up yet another touchdown to a tight end See, in O.J. Howard. That Well, this is a bad week to talk about. That defense is actually doing quite a bit with not very much, in my opinion. Um, 
but I'm a homer when it comes <laughs> to my Cardinals. I think we ought to get him a Cardinal shirt for <laughs> It's Christmas too bad that here. their jerseys are so ugly, or else I would get me a Kyler one. You wouldn't go like the Cliff route? Get like a uh, a number eleven or something just random. I wonder if they have like a DNVR out there that's making cool shirts. Mm. Like if there's a picture of Cliff's face on a shirt, actually that's not good. That's like hanging out with people that are way more attractive than you. <laughs> and you always want to hang out with people who you know in your league so you can stand out a little more. ARZ perhaps. What's that? Oh, oh yeah. Just, just have DNVR. Yes, ARZ <laughs> or, or PHX. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's the airport code. Kyler looks amazing. You, you, you used a word there, uh, talking about Kyler unicorn. And it's funny because I've been thinking a lot about unicorns lately. Oh yeah. Is that your big project? (laughs) Yeah. Um, the nuggets have a unicorn. His name is Nicole Jokic. The abs might have two unicorns, but the one that I've been thinking about the most lately is Kale McCarr. He is a literal Marvel. Like, Watching him play hockey is one of the most entertaining things I've done in a while. It's just like watching Kyler Murray play football. Um, and I don't know if the, uh, the, the Rockies really have a unicorn. Nolan Arenado. But, but they have a is, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman since Brooks Robinson. Yeah. So you're talking four decades. So I'm going to call that a unicorn. The thing is he – I don't know. When I watch Nikola Jokic play, I'm like, I've never seen anyone look like this. And when I watch McCarr play, I actually feel the same way. I'm like, no one – does it the way that he does it. Nolan is just like extremely good at baseball. But you haven't watched anyone play the position That's like true. he does. I was going to say his In your defense. lifetime. Yep. In my lifetime too because I know of Brooks Robinson. I've watched clips, watched old games, but I didn't watch him in person the way I watched Nolan. He's yep. the best in my lifetime. And, and you guys know where I'm going with this. The Broncos don't have a unicorn. They have Von Miller who will be a Hall of Famer. He's not a unicorn, though, in any way, shape, or form. He's just a really good pass rusher. Maybe a great pass rusher. Probably a great pass rusher. Was he a unicorn in 2015? No. He was just a, the best pass rusher at the time. You well, know what I mean? Like, you can't turn on the game and be like, can't wait to watch Von Miller play football today. It just doesn't work like that. Well, the other thing, the unicorn that the Broncos had in 2015 was a situation, not a player. Because the unicorn right. was having Von and DeMarcus Ware at the same time because when they were both in the lineup and when DeMarcus was healthy, as you saw in the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, they were equals in those games. You know, but for a play here or there, DeMarcus Ware could have gotten the Super Bowl MVP, not Von Miller. And that would have been cool. Actually, I think in the playoff run Save that the year. some money too. Yeah. <laughs> in the playoff run that year, DeMarcus Ware had more quarterback hits. Than Von Miller did. Wow. So that the unicorn was the situation, right. but not the individual player, because you could look on the other side of the defense and see somebody who basically was Von, an older version of Von Miller, lining up there. Yeah, and also the unicorn was a team that literally had everything go their way. <laughs> Eleven and three, and <laughs> yeah. games decided by seven or fewer. Yeah, and like it's hard to even remember the three. What? Did the, how did they lose? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Blew the lead nice against Pittsburgh. <laughs> no one can remember this. Couldn't Lee's complete Johnson. the comeback against Indianapolis and melted down in the second half the Michael Schofield Cleo Mack game against the Raiders. Those are the three. There you go. Wow. <laughs> um, now, Ryan, can you name those, those three? Name them back. <laughs> yeah. There was the Colts, the Raiders. I didn't hear the other one. Steelers. Oh, yes, the Steelers. Oh, that was the one where they blew it, right? Yeah, they blue. were up 17-0 or something. It was also the game of the Trevor Simeon kneel down 
and the bad PI call against Chris Harris Jr. that really was the th- the thread that you pulled that, that caused Brock's the sweater to unravel. Start? No, Brock's second start was against the, the Patriots. Bear, oh, His first, first start was the Bears, then the Patriots, wow, then the Chargers, start. then the Raiders, then the Steelers. Because oh, okay, it was two like... losses in a row, and the next day was when K- Gary Kubiak kind of gave that speech that said, okay, guys, what do you want to be? And then I they didn't lose after that. The start of that game was Brock's maybe his best performance ever. Yeah, the he first was half lighting was him up. amazing for Brock Osweiler that day. Anyways, the Broncos need a unicorn. They need it desperately. Is and Joe Burrow a unicorn? N- no. Oh. He's a system quarterback. Really good one. <laughs> so is Kyler Murray. Um, it's funny how that But works. in the system, you can be a unicorn. Yes, exactly. So Kyler Murray is a system quarterback, he's a system but he's unicorn. a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> he's a system unicorn. He only trots around in the right uh, pasture. I mean, can you ima- like, I imagine what- if you just took Kyler Murray and put him into this Broncos offense? It would be the dumbest biggest waste of talent you could do and like that's how i feel about joe burrow it just it would just look different so can drew lock be a unicorn in this broncos team that's the hope i just i think this uh this system is anti-unicorn <laughs> i don't think it allows anyone to be a unicorn so is Kirk cousins a unicorn out in minnesota no is jimmy garoppolo the no. unicorn out in San Francisco God. is Jared Goff. Stop you right there. You know who the unicorn is Hold in on. this system? Wait, it's wait. Joe Montana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was 100 years ago. Um, Can you confirm that, Mace? 100? Could you believe the other night that the Seahawks, with the MVP favorite or close to it as their quarterback, were over 2-1 to one underdogs against the 49ers? <laughs> that was the dumbest, one of the worst lines I've seen all year. And... Uh, Russell Wilson, who is short, is pretty darn good. He, he is an absolute unicorn. He's undefeated against teams in his career that are five games or more above 500. So when he plays great teams, he's undefeated. He raises his game. Remember back in 2014, Broncos Seahawks go to overtime, and he ends up taking off and running into space for the play that basically gets him in a scoring range? The key play, the decisive play, even with that great defense filled with elite players that the Seahawks had at the time, Russell Wilson made the decisive play. That was such a good football game. Oh, yeah. Just like the one on Monday night. Yep. Incredible football Remember when game. the Broncos used to be involved in those types of games? Yep. It was a blast, wasn't it? <laughs> the Cowboys game. Oh, speaking oh. of running for the win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that's... It's but it's like a terrible on. place to be because you can't just cross your fingers and hope for unicorns to show up. It just doesn't happen that way. But anymore. he was like, there. But Russell Wilson, he and the Seahawks were there to capitalize on the fact that Emmanuel Sanders went down and George Kittle was out. Yeah. If they play, they're not in overtime in all likelihood. Russell about, Wilson does his thing, but it's probably not not enough. But doesn't he just to, raise his game a, one notch higher and still goes to overtime? Yeah. I don't know because I think this the 49ers could have put up a 30 burger, maybe a 35 burger on the Seahawks if Sanders and Kittle are out there. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, Cuz the Seahawks defense forget everything you knew about the Seahawks defense a few years ago. That's ancient history. That's done. This Seahawks defense right now is pretty damn average. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um but they found a way as they seemingly always do with Russell Wilson at, behind uh center. Anyways, it's like you're crossing your fingers for Drew Locke to be a one in a million, which is kind of sad. 
The twelve point five percent of second round quarterbacks that become a Pro Bowler. You know what? When you read that stat on the podcast yesterday, I was like, oh, I feel better about things now. Like twelve point five. I was like, That's I, it one feels in like eight. It feels like one percent of quarterbacks ever turn out to be good, and somehow twelve percent of uh, second round quarterbacks. But that's eighty seven point five percent of them that don't. <laughs> You know, it's weird, though, because Drew Locke has all of these little things about him that that I feel like raise his percentage. I'm like, he's got the leadership. He's got the swagger. He's got the the killer instinct. I don't know. He has, like, these things building up that I'm like, I think the, I think his percentage is a little bit closer to, like, 40%. I thought you were going to say 13%. No. I mean, definitely. <laughs> but at the same time, a top five quarterback in terms of at least becoming – a pro bowler. So that's kind of a standard of being a successful starter at some point in your career. The chances are 58%. So let's say you trade up into the top five and get a Burrow or a Justin Herbert or a Tua. Then you have a 58% chance. Plus, let's say Drew Locke is better than the percentages. And let's say he's 25 or 30%. So that means if you have a top five quarterback plus Drew Locke, let's assume Drew Locke is 30%. That means an 88% shot that one of those guys works out. Here's the thing, though. It's like, does Daniel Jones actually have a better chance of being a Pro Bowler than Drew Locke? Yeah, because he's playing. Well, he's building not up reps. this year. I just mean in his career. Just because wherever he, he was selected, like none of us thought he should have been selected there. But let's see who the Giants' next OC and head coach are, because Pat Shermer could be on the ropes now. John Mara, their owner, was reportedly furious after they lost that game to the Jets on Sunday. I wonder what the average lifespan of a coach in New York in any sport is. It feels like they fire coaches faster than anyone in that state. The Giants don't, but the Jets the Jets yeah, have I mean, had pretty well, good Giants turnover. Were good, you know, but now that they're bad, they're just Well, the Giants dream is to get Bill Belichick back somehow some way. That'd Bring be him my home dream too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everyone's dream. <laughs> Well, Here's he, an idea. Because what about this? Well, Belichick meeting. incubated there for a decade, so the Giants feel like we made Bill Belichick who he is. They're in a meeting, and he's like, well, I got it, guys. Let's get the best coach of all time. <laughs> oh, all right. I like this. It's like well, you hire, you know, the, the colleges pay, like, millions of dollars for a search committee. Like, this guy comes in, and he's like, right. what, what about this? Nick Saban. Well, Bill Belichick. Well, Belichick's mentors are still available. I mean, Bill Parcells and Ray Perkins are both seventy-eight years old by this time, but they're out there if they want to yeah, bring him go. in. Do it. Start it These all. guys made Belichick. God, no more retreads. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Move forward. Hold on. No more retreads in coaching. Uh, not like old, old. Okay, I got Dan that. Snyder or what's the Bill Snyder and not, like, not yeah. like a John Gruden. I'm, Yes, exactly. There's look, Bill Belichick is a retread technically because he was with the Browns. Yes, but someone's going to hire Josh McDaniels retread again. That was a hundred years ago when Bill <laughs> Belichick was fired by the Browns. <laughs> Just saying, there's something to the notion of retreads. Retreads have had a lot of success, so it's one of those terms that's kind of a dirty word, but it shouldn't be. I mean, Ed Orgeron on the I college just, level is a complete retread who failed at Mississippi and look at him now. I can't believe I'm, we're talking dirty words on this podcast. I love Coach O so much. Why do you like him so much? <laughs> Everything about him is hey, exactly... I'm having a press conference! <laughs> Thank you! <laughs> Everything about him is exactly what I would want to play for. 100%. Um, I get it. I get it. it, it sometimes All I'm saying is the NFL needs to stop going backwards and start going forwards. 
and just look at what happens when you innovate on offense. Good things happen. Defense, yeah. it doesn't really ever change. Offense needs innovation. It doesn't need old dudes trying to run the ball and get three yards in a cloud of dust. But That's- it needs people with experience having the tactical and mental flexibility to change. John Harbaugh. He's changed in terms of what he demands from the offense. That's rare. And He's what a he unicorn expects. with that. He is. It's like, why is it so hard? Yeah. For people to just say, let's just do what's best for the team. Maybe that's the unicorn you're looking for is the coach who can evolve, who can adapt their game. Because every one of the great coaches we talk about at some point in their time adapted what they did. Don Shula in the 70s won with defense and power running. And then with Dan Marino was successful throwing the ball around like crazy. Bill Belichick has won three or four different ways in his career. Vince Lombardi, even if he'd lived and not died of cancer in 1970, we would have seen him win with Washington. They were well on their way. They already had a winning season after being a loser for 14 years and did it throwing the ball after in Green Bay being known for things like the famous power sweep. The great coaches are the ones that evolve they're tactically nimble maybe that's the unicorn i think vic fangio is totally willing to evolve i think there's just someone in his way well look at the teams that he's been on in the last decade san francisco and chicago and when they had successful quarterbacks what type of quarterbacks were they what did they do alex smith colin kaepernick mitchell trubisky in his one good season and these were quarterbacks that they're running RPOs. They're as willing to take off as they are to stay in the pocket. They're athletic. They're dynamic. And you went to a Super Bowl with one of those guys. And by the way, that guy is having a workout on Saturday. And that's exactly <laughs> what I want to talk about for the rest of this podcast. Colin Kaepernick, <laughs> politics, let's get it rolling. <laughs> really quick, will the Broncos have someone there on Saturday? Yeah. Because Vic Fangio will be asked about it. Actually, probably not. I don't know. I well, wonder. They have actually, I wonder if say the information gathering, blah blah blah. I wonder if the league has told because the league's kind of organ helping organize all this, which is weird. I wonder if the league is telling everybody you got to have somebody there. So, Mace, a scout, would you like to go represent the Broncos in Atlanta? <laughs> They're going to send Eric Dalala as the Broncos representative. Yeah, according to uh, to uh, Collins' tweet yesterday. He expects John Elway and Vic Fangio. Yeah, you guys talk about head coaches. What's up? When I saw that, I'm like, does Come he on, have bro. any clue that it's the regular season that you're not going to get a head coach to show up for this thing? I mean, what was he thinking? Maybe John uh, Fox will be there. <laughs> right. Well, John Fox back in 2009 when he was asked about Michael Vick, even though the Panthers weren't considering it, this was after he was released from prison, You know, had one of his... Well, we can. Well, we consider everything. Quotes and people ran with like, "Oh my gosh, the Panthers might sign Michael Vick." They had literally no chance of signing Michael Vick. That would have been nixed on a high level of the organization. But that's the non-committal thing that John Fox would say. Well, you consider all of it, or you consider none of it. Uh, I would be willing to bet that behind closed doors, Vic Fangio would tell you that he would be down for Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Or at least the idea of a, you know, of that. He saw him at his best. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. I guarantee you he's like, look at this. Look at these guys. None of them are capable of what he's capable of. Right. 
Mm. But the problem is Colin Kaepernick hasn't taken a snap in nearly problem three is years. Colin had a chance to be a Bronco. <laughs> but, yeah, he had a chance, but he had to take a 50% yeah, pay cut. It's, it's just what John Elway would tell you. Colin had his chance. Maybe Vic will be there. You know that, what's interesting? <laughs> I got to talk about this here. Careful now. Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> you, if you trade for him, you could have done the kick the can down the road thing and make sure that he got every dollar on his contract, right? What do you mean? Oh, like the like because the whole thing was the whole they thing. couldn't afford the whole fourteen point three million. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> but they paid Case Keenum and Joe Flacco a combined thirty six million dollars over the last two years. And I get well, more than that because remember, some Case Keenum oh, had some right, bonus. Right. I think it's forty. Total, it's north right? of forty million dollars yeah. total for those two. Gag me. Anyway, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick, his number I believe was fourteen point three million back in twenty sixteen, and. We've seen seven. that the Broncos now they'll kick the can down the road, do some you know fancy economics with Joe Flacco's contract, and we've talked th- about this how the restructure doesn't mean you can't cut him, and it basically is the same deal. But they'll kick the can in the future. They restructured Von Miller's contract, for example, but they couldn't get it done to make sure Colin Kaepernick was a Bronco back in 2016. And how different would that season have been? If the whole, they would have pulled that off, you, the, you all can make of Broncos the history that the entire changes. world would be different. You know what? <laughs> Maybe that has to be one of my off-season what ifs. <laughs> oh boy! What if Colin Kaepernick had become a Bronco? And like, because there are so many tentacles that this can reach into. What if he goes and tells Brandon Marshall his idea to kneel, and Brandon Marshall's like, "Ah, bro, I don't know if that's a good <laughs> idea," and then he just doesn't do it. What if they do it together? I mean, yeah, maybe the same thing happens and it's just on the Broncos' hands and then it's, you know, we're just at the forefront of this whole situation. But, but imagine if he's kneeling on a team that goes 12-4 and four rather than 2-14. and 14. And that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what changes uh, everything. The kneeling. I, I, that changes everything. He's probably still playing football. He, and, oh, yeah. And, and I, it's not even really worth going down that path. The path that I want to go down is the Broncos – very possibly pass up a chance. This is there's no guarantees. A chance to go to another Super Bowl over about seven million dollars. Woof. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. That hurts. Yeah. Because you know what? We've seen three, four, three losing seasons and a missed playoffs since then. Since that exact moment. Now eighteen million dollars. It was is so dirt close for a quarterback. Oh yeah, they wanted seven. They wanted to pay seven million dollars for a player who had played in a Super Bowl. Yep, and played well. Mm-hmm. They didn't lose because of him. Sure didn't. That's. I mean, he was a bad missed pass interference call away from being a Super Bowl champion. The Broncos were willing to pay him. About a third of what they paid Joe Flacco this year. Don't forget how close he was to being in back-to-back Super Bowls, even. And then the Broncos would have had to evolve their offense, <laughs> and their next coaching hire would have been someone with an, you know, with a RPO background. Yep. Or maybe it would have been Vic Fangio. And maybe they would but have, but not tra- with a court, but what not with a coordinator that is married to the Ooh. Shanahan Kubiak scheme. You know who would have been a great person to replace. Colin Kaepernick in a Colin Kaepernick style offense. Kyler Murray. Patrick Mahomes. No, he certainly would have There's been. There's a unicorn. He would have been on their radar. And how about this? 
Joe Flacco wouldn't be a Super Bowl MVP. Although they, you probably would have looked at uh, yeah, Patrick that's right, Lynch. Joe Flacco. He wouldn't have been a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't get that big contract in Baltimore if they win. If, the, if it wasn't the for Super that Bowl. pass interference. Yep. Oh my and then also, gosh! And then also, can you not say that he's in his prime and sell everyone on Joe Flacco this off season? Would have been a lot tougher. <laughs> That's for sure. Who bought into the whole prime thing, though? Really, no one believed that. But we did, you know, try to talk ourselves into the okay. He's won a Super Bowl. He his best season was in the Gary Kubiak offense. You know, we found ways to say okay, he this could work. But you still had to turn back the clock five years. Yep, that was the problem. I kept coming back to that point. That was basically the most I could do while a team employee is saying, "Well, I don't know (laughs) if he can turn back the clock five years here." All right, before we move on. Does Colin Kaepernick ever play another snap in the NFL? No. No. So what is what's this all? What is going to happen on Saturday? The fact that the NFL is kind of helping promote this and put this out, this is, I think, about kind of getting him back into the good graces, as it were, making the NFL look good, saying, okay, well, this guy's still on the radar. He's not being blackballed. I think it's a little bit of a show here. Yeah, I think, I think it was— Three years later we're it, doing this? It probably could have been in the settlement that the NFL had with him, like— We'll give you an opportunity because Adam Schefter, I believe, reported yesterday that Colin Kaepernick wanted it on a Tuesday when most teams do their workouts, and he wanted it later in the season. The NFL said, nope, this Saturday's your day, and he just has to go with it. And the interesting thing with Saturdays is that even area scouts are usually at college football games. (laughs) Right. What if no one's there? So there's probably got to be a big game in, in the Atlanta area. Who's Georgia playing? Mm, right. So maybe people can just pop over. Georgia's right. playing Auburn. At home? Well, it doesn't really matter because even Auburn's only a couple of hours from Atlanta. Yeah. Right. So you can make both of those. Yeah. I I think this is such a – it's a show. It I, is. I'm actually shocked that Colin Kaepernick is participating in this. Yep. Because I feel like it's making a mockery. Of but it. here's the yeah. thing. The Georgia-Auburn game, by the way, is at um, – it's at Auburn, again – it's only a couple of hours drive from Atlanta, and it's going to be at three thirty Eastern time, two thirty Central. So right if he's doing a workout, stuff he's got to do it like at eight o'clock in the morning. Nope, he's doing it from like two to four. So he's doing it right during four. that game. <laughs> yeah, can't believe it. I just can't believe it, and I'm shocked that he didn't. Like he invited all teams, right? Yep. I mean, it would I have been a great should... place for, for him to make a power move and be like, I'm inviting 31 teams, just not the Broncos. <laughs> oh, it would have been. fact is, you probably should still have somebody there, even if it's actually... Well, you need to know, right? You, you have your college scouts in the area, but you probably send one of your pro scouts Although if you down know there like, to, to go watch this thing. Like, John Elway knows he's blackballed. So he's just going to... Like, what's the point? He's like, what, we go well, watch... John Elway testified in the lawsuit, right? Right, but what yeah. I'm saying is John Elway's in the know. So he understands Colin Kaepernick's never playing another snap in the NFL. Yep. And so he's like, let's not waste our time. If you thought there's a chance that he might come back, you need to go just to see him as the same you would with any player who's going into the draft. You need to know what they have. But John Elway knows there's no chance of Colin Kaepernick playing in the NFL again, so it was a waste of their time. Well, it's a waste of time, but understand this. It's not necessarily a waste of money because, I mean, I actually went ahead and checked the plane fares to Atlanta from Denver yesterday just for giggles and you could get down very early in the morning for for, I believe $109 and even get back that night for 406 so basically it's a little over $500 round trip and then you have the rental car and a a meal on top of it so you can do the trip for easily under a thousand dollars even on a short notice and this is a team that paid what two and a half million dollars to Theo Riddick 
<laughs> so they can afford it. Two and a half million dollars for a week of practice, baby. Yep. It's the best expenditure since Simeon Rice. Three million dollars, no sacks. Is that and, and is he's not under contract next year? That was a one nope. year, one and done. I mean, I would have brought him back off IR just on principle. <laughs> then no Drew Locke. No, you. No Tim Patrick. No Tim Patrick. No Tim. I think I want to see what Tim Patrick has more than Theo Riddick. No offense to Theo Riddick. It's a crazy. Uh, crazy thing that's going on there I, again i'm surprised that colin kaepernick is participating it feels like a, it feels like he's being made of a mockery of, yeah, in agree. my opinion i agree um but before we move on shout out to breckridge brewery and the delicious avalanche ale it's supposed to be cold out right now it's not which is weird 80 degrees at the buffs game on saturday Whew, beautiful I, no, it was too hot no way i wore jeans it no. was not jeans weather <laughs> after the snow, the cold temperature is diving towards zero. You're going to sit here and say 80 degrees is too hot and complain about I, it? I wanted 70. I was planning for 70. Oh, wow. You wanted the unicorn day. I did. 80 was too hot. Anyways, <laughs> then it snowed. Now we're back to like, what, 65 out there today? Yep. That's an incredible day. But when it gets cold, an avalanche ale hits the spot. Uh, it's that perfect balance of like, it's, it's got, it's full, I guess I would call it. A lot of flavor, a lot of body to it, but it's not too filling. You could drink three or four of those at an Avalanche game, per se, uh, and have a good old time. So shout out to Breck Brews. They are the best beers in the world. You know what else hits this spot? The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head over to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire sl- your entire purchase. That's mygreensolution.com. We need a unicorn. <laughs> On this pod? No, this pod itself is a unicorn, <laughs> I believe. Um, but let's go into the comments section, which is full of unicorns. And the first one, anyone got it? I'll take it. A. Woodward 21. First time comment. Mace, I saw Matt Miller and at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter posting that Joe Burrow compares most to Jimmy G. Just wanted to hear your thoughts on this. Also, what can a guy do to get Ugh. some Breck brews in Kelowna, British Columbia, Canada? If any of you ever decide to visit, please bring me some. I'll be forever in your debt. Go Broncos, and thanks for all the work you do. Actually, my comp, taller Drew Brees. Oh, oh, that'll do. That'll do. And welcome to the family, A. Woodward 21. Welcome what, to the comment section. What do you, uh, where would you grade his arm, arm strength? It's not where you say, like, remember Jay Cutler came in in 2006? Like, oh, my arm. God. Wow. What an arm. But it, it looks like he was throwing a different ball. That's the only way I can describe Jay Cutler. It, it yeah. more than hits the baseline and placements a part of it with Joe Burrow. Does a good job of, getting it to the outside shoulder when it needs to get to the outside shoulder. The thing with Joe Burrow that gets me is the eyes. The way he uses his eyes and turns his head to basically deceive the safeties and the linebackers. He's doing that like a 10-year NFL veteran. And what that does, as it in the Auburn game, for example, it basically created an open lane because the linebacker vacated the area, but it also creates open receivers because he gets the safeties and linebackers going in the wrong direction because he's so good at scanning the field. He's so good at going through his reads without 
his uh, without his eyes and his head and the direction of his head betraying him. You know, it uh, really helps seeing the field playing in shotgun. Oh, playing in shotgun. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yeah. it does. Helps who, tall quarterbacks too, not just short quarterbacks. Yeah, quarterback friendly systems help. Who who would have thought? He's a gamer, man. I, I and. I, I want to clarify because I just I feel like my narrative around Joe Burrow makes me sound like a Joe Burrow hater. I love Joe Burrow. I think he's awesome. You just don't want to see him in this scheme. I don't want to I don't want to see his career ruined by going into quarterback hell. <laughs> What's interesting is if the Bengals like Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor comes from out of the Sean McVay, Mike Shanahan tree. Mm-hmm. Look at Jared Jared Goff, man. Whew. What a fall from grace. Seriously, and they're paying him a lot of money. Yes, well, they are. The pro- that's the problem when you draft a quarterback who doesn't know in which direction the sun sets. <laughs> Next one coming in from Lou Drock. Lads, I'm intrigued by how the quarterback position finally plays out in Denver. Gut says that we'll go into the 2020 season with both Flacco and Locke, but with Elway, you always feel there's another shocker around the corner. Blow are my happiness percentage scores on potential alternative quarterbacks for the Broncos. Will be great to hear your thoughts. Breeze, 90%. Bridgewater, 30%. Rivers, 0 Brady, 20%. Dalton, 0 Burrow, 100%. Herbert, 70%. Winston, 0 Cam, 30%. Eli, 0 Foles, 25%. And Mariota, 5%. I disagree with every single one of those numbers. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, even though they're low percentages, that Mariota has a higher percentage than Jameis Winston. I mean... So you disagree with Andy Dalton at 0 no, okay, that's right. Yeah. How about <laughs> Philip Rivers at zero? That one's wrong. That one's way wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. It's, he's better than zero. He's way better than zero, in my opinion. What I'll, about Breeze at 90? I'll go through quick. Breeze, 100. Uh, Bridgewater, thir- uh, 20. Rivers, 20. Brady, 100. Dalton, <laughs> zero. Burrow, 40. Herbert, 30. Winston, 40. But this goes back to your scheme thing on Burrow and Herbert, right? That yes, you want exactly, to see them exactly. in a dynamic offense that's modern. Totally. Cam, 10. Eli, 0. There's two that we agree on. Foles, uh, 10. Mariota, 0. Okay, really quick. Both of you, give me your top three on this list. In um, order. If I'm dreaming? Yeah, go ahead. On this list. Okay. My top three are Burrow, Breeze, and I can't believe I'm saying this, Jameis Winston. Oh, wow. (laughs) Number one in a landslide, Brady. Number two in a much, in also a landslide, uh, there's no one near him, Breeze. Three is, I mean... Just for just for the sake of it, I'll just take Burrow just because it's I'm I'm flipping a coin here. It's I'm taking I'm rolling the dice. It's literally Before, literally yeah. exactly the exact way I would have said my three. <laughs> yeah. The I want to clarify something on Jameis Winston. The reason why I've got him high is there are moments where I see a little bit of Jake Plummer in him. Yeah. As I actually, in if you get him in a scheme and it's look. Jameis Winston does some dumbass off-field things, okay? Yep. But that's hard to get past. His, and that's hard to get past as well. But his football IQ is high. So he can learn the scheme, and you wonder if this scheme could get him to play with a bit more control than what we see down there in Tampa. But that being said, the downside 
And my percentage on Jameis Winston, even though I've got him third, would only be about like 30%. The downside is that Bruce Arians is as sharp a quarterback guru as there is in the sport, and he's not getting better results out of Jameis Winston. He's getting better, but not good enough. Right. He's not Jameis making the lead. can't help himself. He's got Mark Sanchez disease. You saw it Sunday in watching that game. Yep. Just mind-numbingly bad. Of course, Bruce Arians didn't exactly uh, bathe himself in glory when he threw a challenge flag they didn't have and oh. cost the Bucks a timeout after recklessly challenging a DPI call earlier in the fourth quarter. Stop challenging pass interference <laughs> unless it is the last play of the game. But or... they somehow made it worse. But that play at the end of the game, that, that should have been P.I. How do they not review this? God, the way they're... How is the NFL like messing up this perfect thing they have? Football is so perfect. It's frustrating. And somehow the refs are making it less good. That yeah. drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, think about that Monday Night Football game. There was no ref issues, and it was one of the most entertaining things I've watched in a long time. It was fantastic. And the only thing they can, they can mess up is the refs, and they keep messing it up. Um, <sighs> Jameis actually is a scheme fit for the Broncos. I, I believe that. Well, you see they use him under center. It's not like he has to worry about... Dropping back, he's figured oh, that boy. part out. <laughs> Next one coming in from Brian. Hey, guys, Brian here. I have two quick questions. One, is there anything to be said about the Bears' defense having a huge drop-off defensively? How much of that is Vic leaving? Two, will Josh Rosen ever be a Pro Bowl quarterback? Three for Mr. B. Four, not a question, but Mace advertising his code. Sounds like a nervous high school kid selling candy for door-to-door for football program. LOL. Thanks, fellas. Love you all. Even Henry. Thanks for the opportunity. If you want to get in on all of our great content, make sure you go use the code Mace! RK. Or Zach. Z-A-C. No, use Mace. Just use any M-A-S-E. Of them. Remember, yeah, the, the underdog story more letters right here than... with Zach. What? The underdog story right here with Zach. You're, you're not an underdog in the grand scheme of the company. I'll say that. You have a pretty solid uh, number there. But in, anyways, if you choose any of us, we'll be eternally grateful. All right. The Bears' defensive drop-off, I predicted that. It took a little bit, but I'm actually not going to dunk on that one because I don't think it is um, Vic Fangio-based as much as it is, is the the team is not clicking. So nothing is working the way they want it to. And it starts with the offense, honestly. The Bears are, are suffering from Broncos disease. <laughs> Their offense sucks, and they can't win games because of it. Yep. Their offense sucks – even with a dynamic offensive coordinator in Matt Nagy running it. Uh, the next thing, will Josh Rosen ever be a pro bowler? Probably not. No. He gotten ruined. Yep. Um, Twice. And I'll forever die on that hill. We thought he was going to be really good. Both Zach and I really like Josh Rosen. Yep. And I don't, I'm not backing off of that. He was going to be really good until he got ruined. I had him second among my quarterbacks yep. in 2018. Behind Baker Mayfield. Oh man, this dude in high school, like that's when I first saw Josh Rosen, and he looked like he was going to be Peyton Manning. Here's why I'm going to say yes, Josh Rosen does make a Pro Bowl at some Ooh. point. I'm not saying it's going to happen frequently, but I could see him getting in a scenario. Maybe some guy gets hurt early in the year, and he's a backup, and he comes in and he balls out and surprises everybody and makes the Pro Bowl. Sort of like a Derek Anderson in Cleveland 2007 type of season. I wonder what would I could ha- see him having one gear like that. So I'm going to say yes, Josh Rosen does make a Pro Bowl. Someday. I wonder what would happen in the alternate universe that the Cardinals get Cliff and 
their GM just like says like, no, we are taking Nick Bosa. We're not taking another quarterback this year. And you put Josh Rosen in that offense. I'd just be curious to see what would have happened. That would be interesting. All right. Uh, going on here. The next one is a very long one. It's from True Champ Fan 24. Oh, and it's for Mace. It says, Mace, you talk about cost-controlled quarterbacks, and I think it fits into my idea of how it should be done. Before we start, I'd kind of like to point out that I'm a salesman and not an NFL GM for a reason, LOL. <laughs> uh, I think the best way for a team to win the Super Bowl is as follows. Draft a young, talented quarterback in the first round. Repeat this step every four to five years. Okay. Sign a big-name free agent at key positions. Invest in 21 other positions plus depth. This gives your new young quarterback plenty of help across the board. Saving money on a young but talented quarterback allows you to spend a lot more along the offensive defensive lines. Three is for Mr. B. Four. And three, you actually need a Mr. B, a great owner. <laughs> um, four. Start building the idea and culture as soon as guys are signed and drafted that this team is built to win. No one player is greater than the sum, quarterback included. This hopefully gets the idea across that the team will move on from deals that otherwise would cost the team in other positions down the road. It sets the mindset that these guys are here to win and puts their names in the history books. Five, avoid all 20-plus million dollars per season signings. Sorry, I refuse to think Seattle wins a Super Bowl anytime soon with the contract they gave Russ. Best quarterback in football, hands down. Ooh, hot take. But what type of line were they able to put together with the pennies left over from his deal? Pretty bad one. Six, begin the Patriot way. Move on from guys before it's too late. Trade or let guys walk that may be planning a, uh, playing at a solid level now but could potentially fall off in a year or so. Wolf would be a great example. Trade him this season for a fifth instead of signing him. He ends up falling in the depth chart in a year or two due to injuries. Seven, not skipping this for Elway because I don't <laughs> like him. Fire Elway. <laughs> this team needs a fresh start in that department. Thanks, as always, for the tremendous coverage. You know, I thought a team was going to try this recycle the quarterback position every five years, turn it over. And I thought the Rams would be the ones to do it with Sean McVay, mm. figuring that he could develop a young quarterback. They're spending heavily on other areas of the roster, but they decided to double down with Jared Goff. Big mistake. I think it's a tremendous mistake because they're paying premium money for average quarterbacking. Yeah. When Sean McVay, the coach that he is, has shown an ability to maximize what he has at the position. Yeah, and true champ fan, I, I understand where you're going, but you lost me just at the very first one because if you draft a successful quarterback in the first round, you're not just going to let him walk and draft another guy. You, you well, could, but that's just if he's that's never going to happen. If he's not elite, you let him walk. I mean, I, it's interesting. I the one The one where area I disagree with him is that Russell Wilson, he's at such a level, I'm not letting him walk. Can you imagine – but here's, Could you honestly imagine letting Russell Wilson leave your team once you got him? It's so, absurd. So, so that that's that's an extreme. You know that that that's a hit. You're not letting Andrew Luck walk. You're not either. letting Patrick Mahomes walk. You're not right. letting Tom Brady or Drew Brees walk. There's but, a, but there's a handful of guys you're not letting walk. Of that's course, it. but Mace, let's say it is the Jameis Winston. I don't care how much money you had because he was a rookie and how much talent you surround him with. You're not winning. I mean, what's the what's the best he's done there in his f- five years? They had he had a solid season. They went nine and seven. Look, there Tampa Bay, sh- Tampa Bay should let him walk. Oh, ab- absolutely. But that's like that's a bad quarterback. But See, I'm not, you're not pay- competitive. But I'm not paying if I'm a f- if he's on the market. I'm not paying him twenty million dollars. That's a bit absurd. Not. I wouldn't. When I say I'd like this, maybe I want to see Jameis Winston in Denver. Maybe he's my third choice, but kind of. Eh. But I want to put a price tag on that. Okay. But see, that, I don't want to. I don't want to pay him Case Keenum or Joe Flacco money. I'm talking like 
eight million a year. Of course, I completely agree with you, but that's where this plan doesn't work because if you have the great quarterback as a rookie and you are successful, well, then you're keeping him. If you have a guy that you're going to move on from, then you're probably not a good team. You can point to, to, to the Los Angeles Rams, but would that system work for them every five years? We talk a lot about this cost-controlled quarterback thing. Other than the Seahawks against the Broncos, who else has won one with that formula recently? Well, Tom Brady was making less than market value with the Patriots. In the early 2000s. You no, but, make... e- but even in oh, 2016, remember, he yeah. took the, yeah, that's he took the contract that. that he could take because Giselle was making... You want to talk making... about unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he married Giselle. He married who, a literal who, unicorn. He, yeah, who makes you know exponentially more than he does. So their household isn't reliant upon the bunny coming from the quarterback position. Imagine like, winning Super Bowls because of your quarterback's wife. <laughs> That's what the Patriots have gotten. Yeah, yep. think about it. Because of that, you can pay a little extra to you know, like Julian Edelman, for example. Yeah, so, the, but, the, but the point I'm getting at here is the we talk Eagles, about it a lot. You, you could say the Eagles, although Carson Wentz wasn't actually the quarterback when they did that. Yeah, that's true. That's, he was that's playing kind of a MVP. different uh, strategy, which is like invest as much as you can into the quarterback position. You know, which works too. It works for sure. I mean, right there, right there. Make but, sure that the backup is somebody that you can win with. And I frankly, g- that's why I think you're trying to find out in the next couple of weeks with Brandon Allen. Find yeah, the, out if he can be that guy. The Eagles right. is a good uh, example because they did, they were able to divest. You know, put money in a lot of other places. Joe Flacco, including when, their backup wait, quarterback. When the Ravens right. won super, the Super Bowl, Joe Flacco was on his rookie contract. He was cost controlled. So it's basically. Uh, in fact, it's like either the Patriots win it or a team with a cost-controlled quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers with Green Bay, he was on his second contract. But remember, he signed that contract pretty early into his starting run. So at 2010, he had a good contract, but it wasn't what his market value would have dictated. Yeah, the crazy stat that I'll come back to here is just, what is it, uh, 17 of the last 18 years, it's been Manning, Roethlisberger, or Brady representing the AFC like if you get one of those guys you don't you (laughs) definitely do not move on exactly next one coming in from Bronco born Bronco bred sup y'all the girlfriend got me tickets back in June for my birthday to go to my first ever Bronco game yeah she's a keeper I'll be in Houston for what I pray will be one of Drew's first few games for us I'm curious how far from contention y'all think the Broncos really are I was with y'all at the beginning of the year and thinking that we had way too many holes to fill but recently it has seemed like there are less and less smaller holes and maybe a couple of big gaping bowls well, face. there's one I truly believe in this coaching staff and think we will be close to contention and somewhere in the near future maybe even next year cheers boys they're a quarterback and two offensive linemen away and a number two receiver can can a quarter can a young quarterback succeed without an offensive line if he has some mobility to him. Yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray, Murray probably yeah, doesn't have a great offensive line. Him. So a great system and great legs. The point I'm getting at here is, let's say the Broncos get Joe Burrow, but then they don't fix their left tackle scenario. Isn't that just setting them up for failure? Setting them up for bad habits? Setting them up for, you know, seeing ghosts? Is That's it- why if you want to get Joe Burrow, you probably have to look at, the cap space you have in free agency and say, okay, we have to get a proven left tackle, and there's probably only one really on the market. Anthony Costanzo may not be the best scheme fit, but he's experienced. And you probably have to re-sign Connor McGovern, and you've probably got to add another interior O-lineman in case you don't get a starting caliber guy in the draft. I'm just wondering if, if the best situation for the Broncos is to 
draft a left tackle on the first round and see what and, and roll with Drew Locke and see what happens if, if you give Drew Locke some good protection. Or maybe the best situation is you draft an Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs in the top 10 and then you know, Jalen Hurts into the first round. Or I hated writing this, Jacob Eason at the end of the first round trading back in. I hated writing that because I don't see it with him at all. I see a guy who stares down his receivers, see a, and he's a six foot six. Great arm, Here's great arm, thing. and a tall guy. If you evaluate it properly, you just don't fail miserably. Drafting a left tackle in the first round is never going to be. Uh, people aren't going to kill you for that. That's as long good, as it works. It's a good pick, right? If your evaluation's right. Yep. Vertical socks. Mace, I need to uh, I need to set this question up for Ryan just okay. in case he didn't hear it. Bumpy Buffalo yesterday commented about his five year old suggesting that with the way Mason Rudolph is playing, what about Ben Roethlisberger? The Broncos trading for Ben Roethlisberger after the season. After talking about it, Mason, I thought nice five year old may be the smartest person, especially taking into the account what John Elway probably wants. So now, Mace, you can get to this comment. You want to see uh, Ben Roethlisberger running bootlegs? <laughs> you thought Joe Flacco was a statue, although Ben still has a little bit of kind of escapability. He's a literal statue in the fact he that you buys can't knock time. him over unless you <laughs> he have. He buys like a- time with his feet, but he's not going to, going to get out of. To get out of the pocket. He's buying time for his receivers to get open. Vertical Socks has a follow-up on the Roethlisberger discussion. Number one, Roethlisberger said that he wears number seven as a tribute to John Elway. Number two, Elway was once asked, which current NFL quarterback reminds him the most of himself as a player? And Elway said, Ben Roethlisberger, food for thought. Mm-hmm. Wow, Big Ben's turning 38. That's a banged-up 38, too. Isn't, isn't 38? Yeah, isn't 38 prime for John? <laughs> no, because John Elway retired at 38. How old, is he? For him How old is, is he when he won the Super Bowl? 37. 37 and 38. 36, 37. Oh, 36 and 37. And 38 was also when Peyton Manning started his decline. So how old was Peyton when he retired? Or when he won when he won the Super Bowl? 39. There you go. 38's uh, the average. There you go. Oh you God. sign him up for one year. That is true. <laughs> no. Well, no. 37. 37 is that. Oh, no. It'd be like 37 and a half. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. So you round up 38. <laughs> <laughs> From the Manning face God. Hey, guys. So it's finally happening. Drew Locke is finally allowed to practice. Can't believe I'm actually excited about practice, but at least it's in the right direction. I'm hoping he gets to start after both the Vikings and Bills games because I would not want any rookie QB to play against those defenses. I think that's soft, but anyways. <laughs> I wanted to ask if Drew Locke does play this season, and he's not the answer, which I hope he is. Realistically, what quarterback do you see Elway drafting? I know Mace wants Burrow, but it's most likely him and two are going to go one and two, and I don't think Elway would trade up and use draft capital. My guess would be Justin Herbert, which I wouldn't mind. Also, if Locke was in this year's draft, where do you think he would be ranked? Um, real, real quick, I think it would be Herbert. I think it would be Herbert mm-hmm. as well right in the wheelhouse of probably falling out of the top five i think um six foot six he looks like a john la quarterback yeah they've already like scouted LA him in person yeah i tweeted it out as a joke but i would absolutely love to cover a justin herbert drew lock training camp battle i wouldn't i would it would be so i would love to cover it yeah in terms of me but if i if i'm a fan i don't want it oh no i i want that I don't. 
Trade you the want surplus. it to just be handed to Herbert. I want it to be handed to Herbert and oh. said, let's go, kid. If you can't handle competition in practice, how are you going to handle pressure it's in the It's not games? about that. It's, exactly, it's a test. It's exactly what's happening with Drew Locke it's right now. It's a mental test. It's just test. splitting the hair. It's, it's not about the test. You're saying he's the guy when you draft him with your first overall, when you trade up to number six to pick him. So there, there should be no controversy. You, it should be him. You should do what you haven't done with any young quarterback, and it should just be given to him. You, I'm with you. If, you. if you're picking a guy that high you probably have to trade up for him right. you are saying he's our guy yep you are then co- uh, counteracting that statement by saying okay now he has to go earn it exactly but forget about all that i'm talking <laughs> right. about the entertainment yeah, value of training camp i, I want, want that too absolutely i'm absolutely. thinking traffic numbers as well <laughs> yeah. the exactly. daily joe burrow drew or Justin Herbert. I'm still dreaming of Joe Burrow. Well, how about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Drew Locke all yeah, competing? Let's, let's do it. I want all the pasta and the meatballs. They draft Joe Burrow with number two overall pick. Then uh, Herbert slips into the second round. They're like, but the general what po- are we supposed to do? We just pass this guy up? But the point of it, where would you rank Drew Locke? I, honestly, I'd probably rank him fifth. Yeah, I was going to say four or five. I'm going to say behind Tua, behind Burrow, behind Herbert. I'm putting him behind Fromm, too. What about Hurts? Mm, probably ahead of Hurts, right? It's all. And I like her. What I like about Hurts is are his intangibles. So Tua is never playing in in the Broncos' current offense. Um, Burrow's never playing in the Broncos' current offense. Her, I put him in in terms of Broncos. I'd put him two behind Herbert. And Herbert isn't even a fit for the Broncos' offense either, but he's you're the just closest saying, thing you have. Well, you're saying it because he's six six, and you know how John Elway likes yeah, to exactly. quarterbacks. <laughs> On the Broncos' board, I think he would be second. Yeah, but how about your board? Um, my board. RK's big board. Uh oh, he's counting a lot of numbers. No, right now. I'm just trying to. He's at twelve, thirteen. I would probably. I don't know. Somewhere between three and five. Yep. Yeah. So he's not, I mean, he's, there's guys you pass up on him for, or there's, there, you, you, you pass up on him for other guys. Yeah. Next one coming in from Sasha saying a Harry. Like, not, I think, I think Jalen Hurts is going to succeed in the NFL if he goes to the right place. I think so too. I think so too. Can and they so, clone Cliff Kingsbury then? There's only so many. What about, uh, just bring, uh, oh my gosh. Lincoln Riley. Riley. Yep. Lincoln Riley down to Dallas. He's not going anywhere, dude. He is literally just – he wakes up in the morning, goes onto the pot, and out comes a Heisman Trophy. Jerry Jones could get him 15 mil a year. It'd be – <laughs> quite the roll of dice. He goes on, though. I want to read oh. this last part from him. I'd like to make my pitch for, D, uh, for DNVR for all those who have yet to subscribe. I started my subscription right before training camp this year, and it's the best decision you can make as a Broncos fan. From all the awesome articles and podcasts that break down everything that's happening with the Broncos, it's absolutely amazing. It's cheaper than a Netflix subscription, and you get an amazing shirt. I got the Von Miller goat. I'm from Cali, and I want to make sure that the Broncos stay on top in Colorado sports. Thanks, RK, Zach, and Mace, for all of you doing the amazing content. Wow, thank you for that comment. That that means a lot, the Manny Face God. We love having you roll with us. Next one coming in from Sashid Sangahari. I'm not convinced Fangio is the ruthless mafia type. The way he has handled all of the off-field drama, most notably the debacle that is the Drew Locke IR situation, he seems to be more of the your cool grandpa who tells scary campfire stories type. Yes, he can coach up a defense, but has a long way before he becomes a Don. Hashtag Mace for Broncos GM. I love that hashtag. 
Uh, yeah, your cool grandpa who tells scary campfire. I think he's a little more, a little more of a hard ass than that. I think so. I think he's like your your cool grandpa who tells like war stories. Yeah, I think he's the cool grandpa in terms of how he talks to the media. I think his interaction with players sometimes it's a bit more direct than that. I want to see a conversation between Vic Fangio and John Elway on a, as a fly on the wall. Like I really want to know where Vic stands yep. on a lot of these things. No, but I want what I want to see is actually how Vic feels after the conversation. If he goes down the hall and has somebody in whom he confides and says, man, I'm just not sure about this. There's like seven holes in the wall of his office. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back on the other side, we will get to the rest of your questions. Do you like watching the Olympics? Have you ever thought of becoming an Olympian yourself? Well, USA Weightlifting provides athletes with an opportunity to continue their athletic career following retirement from football. Their transitional athlete program offers a route to becoming an Olympian. Don't take it from me though. Listen to Daniel, who's been training with USA Weightlifting and says it was the perfect way to get started in the sport. I would totally advise uh, somebody to do this transitional athlete program uh, it, it's almost like a rubric for them to go off of instead of just kind of learning and uh, just trying to start somewhere and not know who to talk to or where to start. Going into it, it's definitely uh, something that if you've never looked at it before, never looked at the Olympic lifting or anything, it's very kind of makes you feel nervous going into it. Definitely go into it full-fledged if I, if I did again, even if I knew nothing about it. So, uh, you know, anybody that's kind of timid about getting started or looking at this, definitely dive into it. It's something you might fall in love with always wanted to like represent you know, the country in some way or another so this is like the steps and starting that it's just you know honor something that i've been looking at since i was young to try out register at www.usawrecruiting.com today and maybe you'll be their next 2024 olympian welcome back into the dnvr broncos podcast presented by strava craft coffee final segment here final group of questions and mace i'll let you get this first one yeah mccaffrey attic is that right Help me out here. I know you had you explained the pronunciation. I think I'm saying it the way you want it said it because you mentioned Ed McCaffrey and of course caffeine. Hi, fellas. In response to this notion of loving the guy in the draft, look at the QBs that franchises have loved and selected top five in the last decade, excluding this year's rookies. Darnold, Trubisky, Goff, Wentz, Winston, Mariota, Bortles, Luck, Griffin, Newton, Bradford, Stafford, Sanchez. Zero Super Bowl, zero future Hall of Famers, in my opinion, and only five guys that aren't total busts, also my opinion. What this tells me is that the franchise is far more important than the player. The best franchises aren't tanking. They're grabbing a quarterback like Rodgers, Mahomes, and Jackson, in the back half of the first round, surrounding them with scheme and talent. So while I agree with you that the first round is your best chance to get a Pro Bowl caliber player, a top five QB isn't Burrow, even Burrow, isn't going to fix a dumpster fire. Cheering on losing makes no sense in football, even from a draft perspective. I promise this will be my last argumentative comment for a while. Just had to get those QB thoughts out of the way. Something to also mention is one of the guys that I'm sure he's not calling a total bust is Wentz. They traded up for him. And, and, and also... I totally understand. So it's a really good point, but you got to talk about first round quarterbacks too. Uh, Baker isn't on that list, but what about Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, he wasn't top five. What about Deshaun Watson? Yeah, he wasn't top five. But those are guys. Well, both teams traded up to get these guys. As we've learned also about the Bears in a story from I believe it was the Chicago Tribune this week, John Fox wanted a quarterback in 2017. 
Sean he wanted Deshaun Watson, <laughs> not Mitchell Trubisky. I'll never get that one. I know I mention this all the time. That was the easiest yeah. quarterback evaluation I've ever seen in my life. You looked at him. He had all of the intangibles. Or sorry, he had all of the, the, the physical traits. He had all of the intangibles. He beat Bama. He was a winner. I don't understand how anyone missed on this guy. He was the... the like I said, the easiest quarterback evaluation I've ever done. I looked at him, and I'm like, yep, he's a baller. He beat Alabama with Alabama scheming its defense entirely to stop him. And he just winked month. And he just winked and smiled and kept on coming at him. And put a 40-burger. <laughs> Idiotic. Anyway. Trubisky. This dude's at North Carolina doing nothing. Yep. Deshaun Watson's ripping up the country. <laughs> yep. yep. How? How does, does that happen? You overthink sense. things. I think the worst thing that happens sometimes is you get removed from the season when they're actually on the field and start focusing on the workouts and the combine you're interviews and so forth. You've got to focus on of, what they're doing as a player. You're getting paid millions of dollars to know what a good quarterback looks like, and you miss on Deshaun Watson, yep. the most obvious good quarterback there is. There's too much time for the draft process. Next one coming in from Iceman. Hey, boys, love this pod and missed RK. Broncos being a 10-point underdog, even a Minnesota, is such a joke. Ooh. I know Denver has not played good football, but 10 or more point lines in the NFL is rare. Vikings are not a great team. And like Chris Harris Jr. said, our D knows Koob's scheme very well. Mace, loved you on the, the Mile High Report pod. Go Broncos and Zoomies. Go Zoomies indeed this week. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, ten. I think it's 10 and a half now, actually. Ten. Yep. The Broncos, by the way, have never won a road game as more than a 10-point dog. They've won a neutral site game, Super Bowl 32. Mm. This goes back Terrible to 1979, line. by the way. Was that uh, upwards do, of 14 points, that what? line? Super yes, Bowl 32? Yeah. And yeah, this goes back. This is pro football reference has these spread numbers. They go back to 79. So since 79, the Broncos have only won a neutral site game, not an away game as a more than 10-point dog, and they've never won in the regular season as a 10-point dog on the road. And the only time they won it in the regular season as a 10-point dog was at home during the 1987 strike. I have to imagine that they like the they were just way worse at setting lines back then. How is a team with John Elway as their quarterback, Terrell Davis as their running back, Shannon Sharpe as their tight end, you know, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, Steve Atwater, how is a team with all of those guys 14-point underdogs? It wasn't about them. It was about the fact that the AFC team had lost 13 consecutive Super Bowls. That's what it was. The NFC was considered to be so superior to the AFC. That's what it was about. Silly. Some people. I hope some people made some big money on the money line that <laughs> I'm night. I'm sure they did. Um, ten point. It's a bad line. It's a bad line. The Broncos are going to cover that. Ooh, interesting. From Missouri Bronco. Well, I loved Colorado. I need to do a little Missouri brag right now. This may cheer up Mace after Georgia shut us out. RK was on the uh, Denver Sports Podcast and mentioned CSU basketball, keeping it within 50 on Duke. The Division II National Championship. My Northwest Missouri State Bearcats. Northwest Missouri State. Wow. <laughs> played an exhibition game against Duke at Cameron and lost by just six. <laughs> I know it isn't much, but it's something to be excited about, Mace. It really doesn't say much for CSU, though. Yeah. Uh, and even wow. knowing that, they're still going to give the Buffs fits at Moby when they play. I just know it. How about Kentucky falling? Oh, my God. I watched it. You know, that's the, uh, that's the secret good thing about uh, this whole altitude thing is uh, I've been having to watch other things on TV, <laughs> on my actual TV, and I'm like, oh, 
Evansville and Kentucky. Let me throw on the <laughs> SEC network, which for some reason I get. And that was awesome. Yeah. Walter McCarty nuts. going back into Rupp Arena where he played as a collegian, getting the upset. He's the coach of yep. Evansville. Yep. Something else. It was it was a fun game to watch. And uh, By the way, yeah, go ahead. You know the backstory on Evansville basketball, right? I'm, I can't, can't say, say I, I do. do. <laughs> well, historically – it's kind of like Marshall. There's a significant tragedy. There was a plane crash mm. in 1977 that wiped out their team, and it was actually just after they'd gone from D2 to D1. But, of course, Indiana basketball territory, the town uh, rallied around that team as it rebuilt, had some good seasons. They also had a long tradition, guys, of wearing sleeved shirts when everyone else wore tank tops. They'd gone bad. away from that. The Evansville Purple Aces. If you asked me that one before yesterday, I wouldn't have got it. I'll never not get it. They're also out of the Missouri Valley Conference, which has a reputation for these sorts of upsets. Remember, Northern Iowa beat North Carolina a few years back in a similar game in November. What about Northern Iowa beating KU? In the tournament. In the tournament. I'm Ali talking about early. I'm thinking like early season, you know, these upsets that right, are kind of right. out of the blue. If you get to the tournament, it's one thing. But Evansville was picked, I think, to finish sixth or seventh. In the Missouri Valley. So this is a huge accomplishment for that program. Not to get too far down the road of college basketball here, but Kentucky, I realize that they had an off game. They, they aren't a well-balanced basketball team. I don't, I don't understand how they were number one. They don't even have a post presence. Who are the Anyways, fighting artichokes? That would be Scottsdale. Scottsdale Community College, yep. right? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so, by the way, we haven't done a, a city shout-out. Evansville, Indiana. There's our city shout-out for the day. Right. Love it. Uh, he goes on and says, switching to the Broncos, it's so refreshing to at least see Drew practicing. Fangio saying his timetable can be affected by Allen's play concerns me a little bit. He has to say that. Drew needs at least two games, if not many more. However, if Drew doesn't work out, Mace's man Joe Burrow made a statement against Zach's Alabama Crimson Tide. As the quarterback situation becomes interesting, do you think Denver will try to get a quarterback, or do we need to wait until after the season to know more? I think we're kind of in the wait-and-see period to see if we know more before we really know if the Broncos are going in that direction. By the way, when it was 33-13, I was convinced. I wasn't watching the game. I was convinced that Saban was galaxy-braining us and saying, if we lose this one, we don't have to play in the SEC championship. We just get an extra <laughs> week of rest. We get ourselves a bye week. Well, I said, I said it earlier this week, Ryan, and I, I want you to hear it. Alabama's winning the national championship. Yes. What a bold <laughs> prediction. Hey, after they're, after they're 0-1 in their last one game. I know. Where's the, I Al- think, wait, where's the Auburn game this year, though? I don't know. Is but it on Auburn? The pl- I think it's at, yeah, on the planes. You remember yeah. what you said when we were watching Sunday Night Football at the last Broncos home game, and you said Belichick might give them a vanilla, the Ra- Ravens a vanilla game plan because mm-hmm. he knows he might have to face them again later? I think that's what Saban did to LSU. Wouldn't be surprised. Two great coaches. Well, Bill and Nick Two goats. compare notes often. Yep. All right, from a homeless. Hey, guys, I know we've seen such a small sample on Locke so far, but my question is, who do you think will be his favorite target when he gets a chance to play? Will it be Sutton, Fant, Hamilton, or maybe someone else? I don't even know who Hamilton is. I know this might be an obvious. <laughs> I know this might be an obvious answer, but I'm curious to see what you guys think. Thanks as always for the daily pods. Well, he's got a budding superstar in uh, Cortland Sutton. I a think wide receiver would, one. Yep. There I think you go. that would be his uh, his guy. Yeah, there's no doubt about but it. But he also does have a nice relationship with Noah Fant. Yeah, tossing the rock with him yesterday. Yep. Next one coming in. Oh. It's Mace. me, Count Locula. Mace, congrats on your 500 games attended. My 500th on Sunday. Thank you very much. What was your first most memorable and strangest? What's one you missed that you wish you had seen? Love the count. Got to keep it brief. We're running <laughs> short on time here. First game, 1986, October, 
Washington versus the St. Louis Cardinals, 28-21, Washington won at RFK Stadium. Incredible. Most memorable, Super Bowl 25, Giants versus Bills, the Scott Norwood game. Misses wide right at the end. I actually have a picture in my office, which is still being renovated, a framed picture of Scott Norwood missing the kick, and he actually signed it and says, and he signed it with wide right. Oh, my god! And gosh. the picture is, the significance of the picture, it's basically the angle I had from my seat. Oh, cool. I didn't take wow. it, but it's basically the exact angle I had of, of the kick. So I can basically, I can always picture it. I, you gotta really have no self pride to sign it that way. No, that is shocking. I must say, I, I would not. If it was me, I would not sign the picture. Period. He embraces who he is and his place in history, and and he's kind and of beloved in Buffalo for it. Uh, so. I guess good for him. Impressive. Yeah, I'd say, <laughs> I'd say so. The strangest game. Wow, um, it's kind of a tough one. I'd say the strangest game. I'd probably have to say one of the Tebow games. Yeah, the whole season was strange. <laughs> the Miami game. Miami was a bad team. Then game, it's fifteen nothing. I'm literally falling asleep in the fourth quarter because it's so boring. But then Tebow brings them back in the last seven minutes of regulation, forces the tie, ends up being the game that really kind of launches the whole Tebow thing. Only game I almost ever fell asleep in was the Hall of Fame game this year. <laughs> and what's one that I missed that I wish I had seen? Um, I wish I'd found a way to get to Super Bowl 37 when the Bucks beat the Raiders. Mm, understandable. Mm, that would have been something. Next one from Vivid Swing. Hey, guys, just a quick comment from me on my way to the airport. Flying to Minneapolis from Copenhagen oh. this week and had wow. really hoped to see Drew Locke. Guess that won't happen. Just hoping for the best with Alan. Mace, congratulations on Game 500. I'd love to buy you a celebratory beer after the game if possible. All right. Well, probably have to be try before to make it the game. Yeah, before the game is probably a little better. But if you're going to be in the stands, hey, let us know. Let me let us know here or uh, hit me up on Twitter. Tell me kind of where you're sitting, where you're going to be hanging out. I'll try to stop by. Next one's from Wade Myers. Sorry I'm late with this, Mace, but I got to get this long thought off my chest. The NFL Top 100 teams came out and still no Broncos love. The list is full of double standards. Example, the 98 Vikings at 38 and the uh, the lose in the NFC Championship was just the loss in the NFC Championship game was just one bad game. But the 13 Broncos with injuries and galore still get dinged for just one bad game. And that was the start of the 15 Panthers 07 Giants and also stand out as overrated when compared to the other Broncos teams that were low on the list. I'm going to I'm going back to Rick and Morty later, guys. So he's not listening to us anymore? <laughs> no, I think he's saying like uh, he stopped watching Rick and Morty to write this comment, okay. and now he's going back. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I'll say for the 98 Vikings, I would actually say they're the second best team I've ever seen. Wow. Um, wow. The Who's Bucks that? beat them in the regular season. That was their only regular season loss, and the Bucks basically had to play a perfect game to win. Who is number one on this list? Have they gotten a number one? I, I don't. It's got to be the the Dolphins, right? Seventy two Dolphins. Seventy two Dolphins, or it might be like the eighty five Bears. Because I should, or I the, would say it should be the Patriots. That's a, the best team. The eighty nine Forty Niners were an amazing team. Isn't yeah. it crazy how not it doesn't always work out that the like you're like that's probably the best team in Patriots history, and it's one of the few that didn't win a Super Bowl. Well, yeah. you could argue it the best team in Broncos history. Yep. It's I think it's clear with the ninety eight team. Yeah, but. The best team of the Peyton Manning era, I argue, it's the 2012 team. Yep. And they went one and done in the playoffs. Well, the worst team of the Peyton Manning era might have been the one that won the <laughs> Super Bowl. And maybe losing to the, the, the one that lost to the Colts. 2014? Yeah. yeah. Where 
three coaches were out the door. Yeah, that that was probably the worst one. Yeah. Second worst though. I mean, thirteen should have won. Twelve should have won. Yeah. All right, from Crazy Mania. Coulda, shoulda. Hola, DNVR. I can't stop thinking about the possibility of Drew Locke playing and possibly becoming the guy for the Broncos. That being said, I also cannot stop wondering about uh, Brandon Allen either. What if he pulls off an upset one or, or two these coming weeks? I mean, is it too out, far outside of the realm of reality? I don't think so. I know if B.A. balls out, it probably pushes Locke's debut back, but I'm excited to see if Allen becomes something in this offense and proves that the game against the Browns wasn't a fluke. I know I have wishful thinking, but it's fun to imagine. Much love and respect, Skyler. Yeah, I mean, we talked about 12.5% odds for second-round pick. It, just imagine what the odds would be for a sixth-round pick like him. Completely. All right, uh, next one. Junior Pancake. Hello, guys. It's that little pancake guy again. Finally hearing my comment right on yesterday's pod maybe giddy as Mace when someone brings up Star Wars. Got a hypothetical question today. Let's say Drew Locke gets to play the final three games of the season going one and two, and overall he looks like a rookie QB. Some flashes of brilliance, but also makes some decisions that leave you scratching your head. Let's say stats-wise, both pass rating and QBR are average for an NFL QB. Broncos end up with the eighth pick in the draft. Who are you taking or what are you doing with that pick? Well, I don't know. If you're holding fast to that pick, Joe Burrow is probably gone. So I'm probably going Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas at tackle. And then I'm seeing if Jake Fromm is sitting there late first round considering a trade backup. I'll be disappointed if the Broncos don't trade up to get a player early in the first round or trade back into the end of the first round. They I think that's so much the, capital. They need two first-round picks or a high first-round That's pick. the trade I want to see is back into the first round. Yep. For I, wide receiver, in my opinion. If Drew Locke only plays three games and shows flashes, he's your guy moving forward. Yep. Or else, terrible evaluation leading into the draft because you, you – you, didn't get to see enough. But if he shows flashes, even if there's bad plays, remember, it's okay if he's bad or, or, or has d- boneheaded mistakes as a rookie. That happens as a rookie quarterback, especially in your first three games. So if there's flashes, he's your guy next year. All right. I have to apologize to the rest of the commenters today. I would say I'm going to let the guys go and I'll finish the comments, but I am going uh, with the boys today. So there are a few more comments here that we weren't able to get to. I'm really sorry. If you bring them over on tomorrow's podcast, I'm sure we'll get to them then. Uh, but we budgeted an hour and a half. You guys came through with too many questions. So we'll get with you tomorrow. We appreciate your understanding. We're going to run over to Broncos and see what those boys have to talk about today. But for now, thank you guys for tuning in. And we appreciate you listening. Before we let you go, i got to let you know about Denver Rubber Company. You know supporting local businesses in our blood. And we're excited to tell you about DRC. And it may not be what you think about it. DRC is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They're tried and true since 1972. Anything and everything you could possibly think of that's made of rubber, whether it's the inside of wind turbine blades or bulletproof vests or anything else, these guys can do it. So if you need anything custom, you need anything rubber, make sure to hit up DRC today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. It's getting me down. Turn